chapter nine of versailles christmas tide by mary stuart boyd this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter nine the prisoners released the first dread days when the boy heavy with fever seemed scarcely to realize our presence were swiftly followed by placid hours when he lay and smiled in blissful content craving nothing now that we were all together again but this state of beatitude was quickly ousted by a period of discontent when the hunger fiend reigned supreme in the little room manger 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 tout le temps thus the nurse epitomized the converse of her charges and indeed she was right for from morning till night the prisoner's solitary topic of conversation was food during the first ten days their diet consisted solely of boiled milk and as that time wore to a close the number of quarts consumed increased daily until paul the chief porter seemed ever ascending the little outside stair carrying full bottles of milk or descending laden with empty ones milk doesn't count when shall we be allowed food real food was the constant cry and their relief was abounding when on christmas day the doctor withdrew his prohibition and permitted an approach to the desired solids but even then the prisoners to their loudly voiced disappointment discovered that their only choice lay between vermicelli and tapioca nursery dishes which at home they would have despised tapioca imagine tapioca for a christmas dinner the invalids exclaimed with disgust but that scorn did not prevent them devouring the mess and eagerly demanding more and thereafter the saucepan simmering over the gas-jet in the outer room seemed ever full of savoury spoon-meat i doubt if any zealous mother-bird ever had a busier time feeding her fledglings than had the good sister in satisfying the appetites of these callow cormorants to witness the french nun seeking to allay the hunger of these voracious schoolboy aliens was to picture a wren trying to fill the ever gaping beaks of two young cuckoos whom an adverse fate had dropped into her nest as the days wore by the embargo placed upon our desire to cater for the invalids was gradually lifted and little things such as sponge biscuits and pears crept in to vary the monotony of the milk diet new year's day held a tangible excitement for that morning saw a modified return to ordinary food and in place of bottles of milk paul's load consisted of such tempting selections from the school meals as were deemed desirable for the invalids poultry not being included in the school menus we raided a cooked provision shop and carried off a plump well-browned chicken the approbation which met this venture resulted in our supplying a succession of poulettes which at the invalid's express desire were smuggled into their room under my cloak not that there was the most remote necessity for concealment but the invalids whose sole interest centred in food laboured under the absurd idea that did the authorities know they were being supplied from without their regular meals would be curtailed to prevent them overeating the point of interest for the red cross prisoners at least in our morning visits lay in the unveiling of the eatables we had brought 
school food however well arranged is necessarily stereotyped and the element of the unknown ever lurked in our packages the sugar-sticks chocolates fruit little cakes or what we had chanced to bring were carefully examined criticised and promptly devoured a slight refreshment was served them during our short stay and when we departed we left them eagerly anticipating luncheon at gloaming when we returned it was to find them busy with half-yards of the long crusty loaves plates of jelly and tumblers filled with milk on our boy's part and with well-diluted wine on that of his fellow-sufferer fear of starvation being momentarily averted the sewer used to light fresh candles around the tiny holy baby on the still green christmas tree and for a space we sat quietly enjoying the radiance but by the time the last candle had flickered out and the glow of a commonplace paraffin lamp lighted the gloom nature again demanded nourishment and we bade the prisoners farewell for the night happy in the knowledge that supper sleep and breakfast would pleasantly while away the hours till our return the elder red cross knight was a tall good-looking lad of sixteen the age when a boy wears painfully high collars shaves surreptitiously and unnecessarily with his penknife talks to his juniors about the tobacco he smokes in a week and cherishes an undying passion for a maiden older than himself he was ever an interesting study though i do not think i really loved him until he confided his affairs of the heart and entrusted me with the writing of his love letters i know that behind my back he invariably referred to me as ma but as he openly addressed the unconscious nun as you giddy old girl ma might almost be termed respectful and i think our regard was mutual all things come to him who waits there came a night when for the last time we sat together around the little tree watching the sewer light the candles that illuminated the holy baby on the morrow the prisoners carefully disinfected and bearing the order of their release in the form of a medical certificate would be set free it clouded our gladness to know that before the patient's sister stretched another period of isolation just that day another pupil had developed scarlet fever and only awaited our boy's departure to occupy the little room hearing that this fresh prisoner lay under sentence of durance vile we suggested that all the toys chiefly remnants of shattered armies that on hearing of the boy's illness we had brought from the home playroom he had outgrown might be left for him instead of being sent away to be burnt the boy's bright face dulled if it had been anybody else but mother i don't think you know that he is the one french boy we disliked it was he who always shouted ah bah les anglais in the playground the reflection that for weary weeks this obnoxious boy would be the only inmate of the boite as the invalids delighted in calling their sick-room overcame his antipathetic feelings and he softened so far as to indict a polite little french note offering his late enemy his sympathy and formally bequeathing to him the reversion of his toys including the abra de noel with all its decorations 
except the little waxen jesus nestling in the manger of yellow corn the sewer had already declared her intention of preserving that among her treasures the time that had opened so gloomily had passed and now that it was over we could look back upon many happy hours spent within the dingy prison walls and our thoughts were in unison for the boy abruptly breaking the silence said and after all it hasn't been such a bad time do you know i really think i've rather enjoyed it l'envoi heavy skies lowered above us the landscape seen through the driving mist-wreaths showed a depressing repetition of drabs and greys as we journeyed towards calais but snugly ensconced in the train rapide our hearts beat high with joy for at last were we homeward bound the weeks of exile in the stately old town had ended for the last time the good sister had lit us down the worn stone steps as we sped seawards across the bleak country our thoughts flew back to her and to the little room with the red cross on its casement wherein although our prisoners were released another term of nursing had already begun for her in contrast with her life of cheerful self-abnegation ours seemed selfish meaningless and empty dear nameless sister she had been an angel of mercy to us in a troublous time and though our earthly paths may never again cross our hearts will ever hold her memory sacred end of chapter nine end of versailles christmas tide by mary stuart boyd